Starwalker Studios presents Planeswalkers of Nyx, the Magic the Gathering podcast for the rest of us. everyone, and welcome to the second episode of Planeswalkers of Nyx, a casual podcast for all those who play and love Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Nikki Starwalker, a devious, fiend-blooded Planeswalker. And I'm Lex Starwalker, a cunning purple Planeswalker. And we're excited. Uh, finally, the second episode. We're going to talk about some magic. What manner of man are you that can summon up fire without flint or tinder? I am an enchanter. By what name are you known? There are some who call me... Tim? So, Nikki, um, let's start things off by talking about what we've been doing with magic uh, since the last episode. So, you've been playing some magic lately? Yes, definitely. I've been playing a few different types. Um, last night we played, oh, we played our dual decks against each other. And that's why I say fiend blooded planeswalker because I used the Tibalt deck and it was pretty, pretty fun. Um, but it didn't do as well as the first time we played our dual decks. <laughs> and I got a really terrible hand. I just lost miserably to your deck. So Tabal is a red and black deck, right? Correct, yeah. And he is a planeswalker, either a devil or demon-blooded Yep, yeah, fellow. I think he's devil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was saying he kind of reminds me um, of, uh, what's his face from Supernatural? Crowley. Oh, Crowley, yep. Because he, he looks like kind of the salesman kind of demon, like the, <laughs> the smooth, polished um, you know, selling used cars on his free time kind of demon. <laughs> yes, definitely. Get you to sign anything, sign your life away, sign your soul away. Yeah, he actually kind of reminds me of the devil character in Futurama, at least the earlier seasons. I haven't seen the most recent ones, but... The robot devil? Yeah, the robot devil. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. When I look at him, I think of that voice in my head. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, and I played um, Soren, and that is a white and black deck. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of an interesting matchup right there, I think, because um, if you look at the back of your magic card, um, red and black are allies Mm -hmm. because they're next to each other on the little uh, color diagram on the back of the magic card, um, where white and black are enemies because they're across from each other. So it's kind of interesting. We were, we were joking that uh, um, Soren seems to be kind of uh, conflicted. He uh, doesn't know if he's coming or going. <laughs> he he has these two halves of himself that uh, can't get along and are constantly in conflict. Yep. Um, I, I thought it would be great if it was a deck of vampires and angels. I, I think that'd be a lot of fun. But yeah. I didn't see any angels. Lots of vampires, though. Okay. And spirits. So what's the white part of the deck? 
Is that uh, spirits? spirits. Oh, yeah. Okay. It, it seemed like um, the white part of the deck was generating a lot of token spirit creatures. Okay. And then um, the black part was generating a lot of relatively small creatures with um, high power, low toughness, but they all mm-hmm. had lifelink, or you could give them lifelink. Right. And quite a few of them were flying. So <laughs> Yeah, and then his planeswalking abilities are a lot better than Tybalt's, I felt like. Yes. So that was yes. neat. Yeah, so we, we played these decks probably when they came out mm-hmm. a year or more ago. And yeah, I think you stomp my ass pretty much every time with that black and red deck. But um, then, then last night, well, originally I was actually not even playing one of the dual decks. I was playing one of the Theros intro decks. Right that we talked about in the last episode um, because I was trying to find the dead cards and and beef them up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got tired of losing. So I was like, well, I'll try Soren, <laughs> Try yeah. the matchup. And yeah, I think it's an interesting matchup because um, both of them have black. Mm-hmm. But they're very different, their strategies. Yeah. So that was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to try those out again. But I felt bad when you played the intro decks because you did have these vanilla creatures that didn't do anything, really. They were just 4-5 or, or something like that. So it was a little unfair advantage. Yeah, I was playing the, the blue and black deck. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think it was shuffled real well because when I was looking at the deck and trying to figure out if I wanted to do anything with it, um, I had sorted it by mana cost. Mm-hmm. In like the first hand we played, I got a bunch of like six and seven drops. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think I shuffled it very well. Um, I'm still not conv- convinced that the mana curve in that deck is, is what it should be. It seems like there's a lot of high cost spells. Okay. Um, so do you think you'll be adjusting that deck and the other intro decks? Yeah. Well, I already did the the red and blue one because that's the one I play. So I very quickly was able to to take some cards out and swap them with some better cards. Mm -hmm. Um, But these other decks I've never played with. So I was thinking I'd get to know the decks and then because I want them to to, the four decks to still be somewhat equal. Right. So when we play with our friends that are new to magic, you know, they're still competitive with one another. But it would be nice to get rid of like the dead cards. Yeah, those are just boring. And uh, the friends we're talking about have kind of moved past that, I think. Well, I think even a beginner, I mean, could be confused by a dead card because you're learning this game and you're getting a feel for the strategy of the deck. And Mm -hmm. then you have this card that doesn't seem to contribute to that strategy or doesn't even seem to do anything useful. And it might be confusing for a new player because maybe they're thinking, well, there must be some something to this card that I don't know about because to me it seems pointless. Or even worse, they actually think it's a good card and they're trying to play it and it's just not a good card <laughs> yeah that's a good point <laughs> okay so what what else did you do we, we played the dual decks well the the thing that i was really excited about that we did was or that you did <laughs> you built the theros wizard theros wizards tower that we were discussing in the last episode and so that was a lot of fun to try out and i was really thrilled with the results yeah, well, actually, last time I was saying I was going to monkey around with the M14 tower we had. Oh, okay. Which I actually did make some changes with it, but then we mm-hmm. never we never actually played it because then I designed a Theros tower. Right. <laughs> and we played, played that. that once, and it was so much fun that, that we haven't gone back to the M14. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll talk about that more 
Um, Later on? Yeah, in format okay. favorites. We're going to be talking about uh, Wizard's Tower a little bit more. Excellent. And then you played, we both played Magic Online, but you had this hilarious voice chat experience that No, was, no, we played uh, oh, go ahead. Magic 2014. Magic Online's a different... Oh, game. okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was... Magic 2014. Yeah. Yeah, so that was really fun, um, and I was here for that, and it was for just... For what? That voice chat experience that you had. Well, I know. I'm trying to get you to tell us what it is, because our listeners don't know what you're talking about. I was you. just going to. Um, I was just going to say that you were playing with these guys who I think were just, I don't know. Like, I'm sure they knew that they that everyone could hear them, but they kept talking about you while you were playing. And it was just hilarious because they were, <laughs> I guess they couldn't get over some of the, your, the things you were doing. And they were just calling you names. And it was a lot of fun. <laughs> yep. Yep. That was fun. I can't believe that they like you can hear everybody on chat all at once, no matter what. Like you can't turn people off or mute them. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of weird, but I mean, I think most people that would actually want to use voice chat if they're playing with people that they know are probably using something else anyway. For voice chat, I mean, you're going to be using Skype or or um, Teamspeak or Ventrilo or something like that. I think. Mm-hmm. So that's just for people that don't have anything else. And I, I guess in that sense, it makes sense just to have everybody all in one channel and everybody can hear each other. But yeah, that was pretty funny because actually um, I was doing Two-Headed Giant and the two people on the other team, they both were in the voice chat. And then um, the other person on my team, who was just some random person, I didn't know him, um, they were in the voice chat too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wasn't, but I was listening to the voice chat and yeah, it was, it was pretty hilarious because I can't remember the name of the deck, but there's a green deck in magic 2014. It's one of the decks you get during the campaign, but it's not the first green deck that you start out with, but it has, um, it just has some ridiculous, uh, annihilator artifact creatures in it. And so these guys, not only are they like really huge creatures, like 8-8 eight, eight and up, but they have Annihilator of different values, which whatever the Annihilator, like a lot of them are at least Annihilator 2. So with Annihilator 2, when they attack, the opponent has to pick two permanents to sacrifice. Um, and yeah, there's just, there's just a lot of ridiculous things in that deck. And every time I tried, every time I played something more ridiculous than the last, it was, it was pretty funny to hear their reactions in the voice chat. And then, you know, they were, they were discussing whether or not they could, um, get me to quit by just waiting forever between their turns and (laughs) trying to get me bored. But, uh, luckily they didn't do that. (laughs) So yeah, that game was over pretty quick. That that deck, once you get that deck going, it's it's over pretty quick. It, it's it's the kind of green deck where it's like you have to stop it, which it, it takes a while to get going because it uses mana ramp and you know mm-hmm. you're bringing out like huge creatures to end the game. So you do have a few turns to like do something against it. Mm-hmm. But if it gets to like I don't know fourth or fifth turn and and you haven't defeated it um things will start to go south really fast against that deck because it just gets ridiculous so what else have you been doing well you gifted me duels of planeswalkers 2013 right and that's the older one yeah it's the same game just i think every year they they make a new version 
Okay. Okay. And that is really cool. And there's some functionality that I like better than the more current one, the 2014 one. So I'm wondering why they cut out some of that functionality. Like what? They're the same. Well, um, let me think. When you... Like when you're looking at the field, for one thing, the colors are different. Like the background's black or gray. And I like, I don't know why, but I like that a lot better than this plain blue one that they switched to. And I don't know, I I guess it's just all design issues that I have with it and some of the UX positioning for some of the buttons and stuff and the functionality on it where you have to actually choose... um, I guess you choose your attackers. Like, you don't have an attack all button. And at first, I didn't like that. But now I actually like it because it makes me stop and think about who I'm attacking with. So, I don't know. Just some things like that. But Well, you don't have to use the attack all button. You can just click them all individually Okay. in the 2014 one. That's the yeah, only difference yeah, I've seen or, is in 2014, they added the attack all thing. But other than that, the, the UI, I, to me, it looks exactly... Okay. No, it's exactly the same. Oh, okay. That's well, maybe it's just difference. my imagination then. But I like it a lot, so thank you. Yeah, and um, I think it's still on sale. It's like two forty nine on Steam. That's awesome. So um, it's, like I said, it's the same UI basically as okay. 2014. So um, if you like 2014, you can get some more action with 2013, play some different decks. Um, I like both the blue decks I've played in that game they're a lot of fun um i actually like the one you start out with better but eventually you get a deck a blue deck that supposedly i think has jace in it that you can unlock so i've been trying to play that one more um because i'd love to get jace but i just don't like the deck as well it's it's mainly a milling deck so that's kind of fun it's kind of fun to mill someone to death like a few times but after that it's just kind of I don't know. I'd rather play magic and fight creatures and do damage and stuff as opposed to just attack my opponent's library. I mean, it's fun a few times for the novelty, but after that, it's kind of like, eh. Okay. Have you ever played a deck like that? Um, Not yet, but I'm sure that I will, at least in the 2013 one, right? <laughs> well, yeah, if you play that blue deck. Yeah, I haven't gotten there yet. but. And then we also played Commander, our Commander decks this week and that was a lot of fun we played it with uh, somebody who's never played commander before and i felt a little bad because it's pretty complex commander in general Uh, all the cards are are have a lot of functionality to them and you really have to sit and read everything and but he seemed to have fun so i was happy yeah i think he he did fine and i think he's one of those people that you show him some of the real complexity in the game and it actually makes him more excited to play it as yeah. opposed to to uh, scaring him off. Yep. How about you, Lex? What have you been doing? Um, Let's see. What have I done? Well, I played a little Magic 2014. I actually... Um, this was about a week ago now. I did the second sealed campaign. You can play two sealed campaigns in the, in the game. And then after that, you can pay money to unlock more sealed campaigns. So I did the second one. Okay. Um, I'll confess the first time I, the first one I played, it it has a function where you can basically just let the computer build your deck and it kind of figures out what it thinks is the most effective deck from the cards that you have. So the first time I I mainly just did that and it was kind of interesting because every, every couple 
matches, you get another booster pack. And so I would have it refigure what my best deck is. And so my color combinations changed um, like almost every time I got a new booster pack. But then the second campaign, I was like, no, no, I'm going to make my own decks. And so I did. And it took me a few times to kind of figure out the right colors to use. And then um, it was kind of interesting because some of the decks you play are um, kind of focused in a certain strategy. And depending on what your deck is, you may your deck may not be able to cope with that strategy. So there were a couple of the matches where I actually had to remake my deck and even choose different colors um, to defeat a certain deck I was against. So that was kind of fun, like all using the same pool of cards. Um, and then, yeah, I, I got uh, Duels of the Planeswalkers 2013 when I saw it was only 250 on on Steam. Mm-hmm. I've done like the, the whole single-player campaign for that, and now I'm about halfway through the Revenge campaign, which is basically where you go through the campaign again. Um, you don't do all of the duels again. You just do like a couple from each um, set. But uh, this time, the decks that you go against have more of the uh, the rare cards unlocked, so they're a lot tougher. Um, okay. And then, yeah, like you said, I, I um, constructed a Theros Wizard's Tower, and mm-hmm. we'll talk more about that later. But I basically made um, a Wizard's Tower using only Theros cards. I balanced the colors. I balanced the mana. Um I didn't really worry about the the mana curve or the creature curve, mm-hmm. but I did, you know, make sure that there are the same number of spells in each color and and that kind of thing. Made made sure there's no cards in it that didn't make sense in Wizard's Tower or didn't work in a way that was fun in Wizard's Tower. Um, and then we also, uh, I don't think you mentioned this, but I also made a little cube. Mm-hmm. using some of the cards from our Theros Wizards Tower. And so we did a draft with our little mini Theros cube. And it wasn't a big, oh, yeah. very big cube because we just needed enough for two of us. But that was mm-hmm. pretty fun. And I'm sure we'll talk about cube sometime on the show. Um, and let's see. I did some Theros drafts on Magic Online. And uh, I, I've gotten, I don't think I mentioned this on the last show. In the la- last few weeks, I've gotten some really cool uh, magic like stuff. Okay. I got, um, I finally got a play mat, my first magic play mat. And I got uh, a play mat with Nylea mm-hmm. on it. So if you look at Nylea's actual card, that, that painting, that's what's on the play mat. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it's really cool, and um, we've gotten a lot of deck boxes. We finally started getting uh, some sleeves. Mm-hmm. I've never sleeved cards before, um, and I still like am not a huge fan of sleeves. I, I would much rather play without sleeves. Yeah, you know they're a pain in the ass. But um, we do have some cards that are worth some money, so I at least want to have enough sleeves that I can play with the cards I have that are worth money but not damage them. So yeah, for sure. Not going to sleeve everything, but, but like our commander decks, we sleeves because those have some good cards in them. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I thought shuffling a hundred card deck was fun before. Now doing it when it's sleeved, it's like <laughs> impossible. It's <laughs> such a pain. Yeah. Um, oh, and I got, uh, I got a commander box yeah. because um, we're both using two of the 2013 
uh, commander decks that Wizards mm-hmm. came out with. I have the, uh, let's see, it's green, red, and white, mm-hmm. I think. And it's, uh, oh, I don't remember the name, but the, the commander is like this big, huge elk dude. And then you have a black and blue and white. Is that right? Yeah. Deck. I'm pretty sure that's right. And and your deck is really cool. So so anyway, yeah. when you get these, I mean, they come with a pretty nice box um, that holds, you know, it holds all the cards, it holds the oversized cards that come with it, yeah. and the little, you know, fold out, you know, instructions that come with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but as soon as you sleeve your cards, they don't fit in there anymore um, because they're thicker with the sleeves. So I went on to Amazon and I was looking around and sure enough, they had or they have commander boxes. Uh, Ultra Pro makes them and they they come in the different five colors. And so I got a blue one, even though my deck doesn't have blue in it, just because I like the blue one the best. And they're they're really nice boxes. Well, maybe we'll do a review of them sometime, but they're they're hard plastic and it holds your deck, your oversized cards. It can hold um, some dice and tokens and. And uh, it's nice and solid. I mean, it keeps uh, keeps everything safe and yeah, and, and it holds your whole deck sleeved, right? Like the hundred card deck sleeved, which is which is really nice. So I got that, and and uh, I'm digging that, and uh, just yeah, we've been playing as ma- much magic as we can. I've I've been wanting to go uh, to an F and M one of these weeks. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the the game shops by here also has a commander night. So I've been wanting to do that one of these weeks sometime when it's not like totally crappy outside. Um, Go check that out. Yeah. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, most of my or most of my magic playing has been online. um, But that's all right. And then we've, we've played a little bit. And yeah, we had our buddy over and did commander with him. And that was fun. Um, he was playing the, the red deck. It, it's red and do you remember red and oh, black man. and white or, but his remember. commander it's was a dragon. dragon. Yeah. The yeah. red dragon. Yeah. That deck was pretty nuts. Like lots of token creatures and stuff. I kind of felt sorry for him. <laughs> Aww. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, pretty much what I've been up to. Excellent. Oh, well, being me has its privileges. One of our traditions on our podcast is to talk about what we've been drinking or what we are drinking, I guess I should say. So, Nikki, what are you drinking today? Today, I am drinking something new, which is pretty exciting, and it's Elysian's Split Shot. It's an espresso milk stout, and it is really pretty good. It's delicious. Um, Very coffee heavy. It has a very coffee taste to it, more than the milk part of it it doesn't taste to me it doesn't taste as creamy it almost has a little little bit of tartness to it i guess um but i really like it and i recommend it if you like stouts how about you lex what are you drinking tonight okay um usually we talk about beer but tonight i'm doing something totally different i'm drinking some mead and i had Mm. mead for the first time what maybe a month ago yeah about a month ago something like that we went to uh we we live in the seattle area and we went well north of seattle but we went to uh a pub nearby here called Mm -hmm. the afk tavern that's like a a gaming tavern and they have video games and they have like a vending machine where you can buy magic booster packs 
and um, <laughs> they just have um, you know some bigger tables for gaming groups. Mm-hmm. They they actually have games there that you can use, like role playing games, board games, card games, you name it. Um, yeah. And you know, one of their things is you know you can stay there and game, and they're not going to kick you out to turn tables. Right. So we went there to check it out, and they have meat on their menu. And you know, I knew what meat was, but never tried it. So I was like, I'll give it a shot. And they had um, quite a variety of meats to choose from, um, but I wanted to have something traditional for my first try. Mm-hmm. So they had some meats from Denmark. So I got one of these uh, Danish meads, and actually the, the mead I'm drinking today is, is the actual exact mead that I tried the first time. Um, just kind of worked out that way. And so I'm going to b- butcher this, uh, this name because it's, it's Danish, and, and I don't know how to pronounce it properly. But I believe uh, it's something kind of like Dansk Mjord, Okay. something like that. Yeah. If I were to pronounce it the way it looks, it'd be like Dansk Majode or something <laughs> like that. But but uh, this is a uh, brewery or meadery or whatever you'd call it. They've been around forever. Um, and this particular mead is called Viking Airness Mjord. And it's a Nordic honey wine with hops. And it's 19% alcohol. Mm-hmm. And it's delicious. I it's ruined me on most other hard liquors. I used to enjoy drinking bourbon, and mm-hmm. I mean, I, I guess I would drink bourbon if it was a good bourbon and someone gave it to me. But I'd much <laughs> rather have mead. I mean, this stuff is delicious. Yeah, it tastes like honey. Like it really does. The aftertaste, especially, mm-hmm. it's just all honey, and it's it's um. You know, it's strong, so it's got that nice kind of warming aspect to it. But it's not like drinking, like, whiskey or vodka or even rum. You know, it's not like that strong alcohol kind of taste to it. I don't know. It's hard to hard to say with words. But no, if you've never no. had mead, mm-hmm. try some. And yeah. please, please, please try... Um, Try this kind of mead uh, yeah. <laughs> from Denmark or from somewhere else in Europe, especially if you're in Washington. Um, don't start out with the meats that are made around here um, because they are nothing like they're more like a honey wine. Mm-hmm. Like they I mean, yeah, that's what it reminded me of when we had them. It was more like wine. Yeah, like a like a like a white wine with uh, some honey in it, and right. some of them are even carbonated, and they're just nothing like these traditional meads. So they're all right, I guess. There might be people <laughs> that like those and don't like the real thing, but I don't know. It's just one of my pet peeves with with things um, here in America, especially in this area. Mm-hmm. Is it's like you know we're gonna c- copy these styles from Europe that have been done for hundreds of years, but yet yeah, we think we can do it better, and we're gonna like fuck around with it and change <laughs> it. And at least in my experience, it's never as good as the real thing. Yeah, like I've yet to have an American Hefeweizen that can hold a candle to just about any German Hefeweizen. Hmm. Any of them, even even the the least impressive German Hefeweizen I've had is better than like a pyramid or a yeah whatever yeah <laughs> so yeah yeah um definitely try some meat if you've never tried it i i love this stuff um i i almost wish it wasn't as strong just so i could drink more of it but it's nice to sip on 
Yeah, definitely. This week for our magically delicious segment, we have some wonderful flavor picks of the week to share with you. Did you notice I didn't do the little, the little uh, Lucky Charms thing there? Yes, actually. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, well, the first one I'll just start out is the Seder Hedonist. And okay. when I first saw this card, the flavor text is exactly what stuck out to me and kind of made me fall in love with satyrs, like as a, a creature <laughs> in magic. The text says, any festival you can walk away from wasn't worth attending in the first place. <laughs> yeah, um, I agree with that. I'll bet that satyr <laughs> was drinking some mead at his festival. Oh, yeah. And this, sure. this is a Theros card, by the way. Yep. It's a Theros, and it costs one um, green mana and one anything mana, <laughs> colorless. And he's just a 2-1 creature, but it's a fun card. The pros call it colorless mana. I know. I said colorless. Oh, you said anything mana. I was just trying to be silly. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you succeeded. That was silly. Anything mana. <laughs> Do you it, want it to actually, I don't know. Card? I think that rolls off the tongue better than colorless mana. Maybe we should try to... <laughs> start to anything mana okay i'll work on that <laughs> could even shorten it to any any mana any mana <laughs> one green three any i Go. like it i like it <laughs> okay should i do one yes please for some reason both of my cards are white even though i don't care for white actually there's a really good reason because i was looking through our our theros binder and they're in the the wooberg order in there so i just happened to look at white first okay and found a couple i liked um i should really pick ones from colors i like more like blue (laughs) or green (laughs) or even black or even red but white but anyway these had some quotes i liked yeah um so my first one is divine verdict which is also a theros card um and it's an instant that destroys a target attacking or blocking creature and the picture is pretty cool. It's this big, like, giant dude emits um, these columns, like in a temple or something. And okay. the columns are, like, kind of falling down around him. And there's some, like, human-sized people in the foreground, like, oh, shit, run for your lives. And he's, like, <laughs> freaking out. Um, and the quote is, the last thing to go through the Cyclops' mind was a 12-ton block of marble. Nice. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Okay, you're next. All right. The next one I have is another creature. It's a chimera. The card is Coastline Chimera, and it's also Theros. And the quote on it is, Seeing a chimera overhead foretells good fortune, but only because seeing one any closer foretells dismemberment. That's for sure. (laughs) And then they eat you. Yeah, he's a 1-5 flying creature. Yeah, yeah, so I see you cool. have a green card and a blue card over there, and I have two white cards. I should have switched you. <laughs> you like white. You could have done the white. Yeah, I could have. I went by the flavor text yeah, I did too. for this one. I yeah. did too, but then, now I realize I have two white cards, and it makes me look like some kind of pretentious, self-righteous, <laughs> like conservative, <laughs> narrow-minded. No, it doesn't. Um, anyway, okay, so my next card is Ray of Dissolution, 
which is another mm-hmm. instant, both minor instants. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one says, okay, so the card, and, and the reason I tell you what the cards do is sometimes it's relevant, like it kind of relates. Like you said last week, the when the flavor text is really good, it relates to the art and the card, like what it does and the name of the card, it all kind of comes together. Yeah, that's true. Um, so Ray of Dissolution destroys a target enchantment and then you gain three life. Which is really awesome in Theros because so many of the creatures are enchantments. Mm-hmm. So you can actually destroy creatures with this spell where in a lot of sets, like this wouldn't be as good of a card. Right. You would just like use this against maybe a deck that had a lot of enchantments or something in it that okay. like ruined your day. But uh, yeah, in Theros is pretty cool and you get life. Mm-hmm. Um, but the quote is, the works of one God last only as long as the patience of another. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I really like that. And and it just, to me, it it gives this idea of the gods just kind of always at odds. And like all the different gods kind of have their little projects or their little causes or their mm-hmm. things that they're trying to, to do. Right. And a lot of times they're working against one another and... Yeah, their own agendas. So, yeah. Um, and, and that even comes across in the mechanics of the game and the way the cards work and how, you know, like you can you can cast um, like an ordeal mm-hmm. on a creature. Like say you're, you're playing green and you cast ordeal of Nylea and I'm playing blue and I, you know, get rid of your ordeal. It's like, well, I just kind of like, like Nylea just blessed that creature and then Thassa came along and was like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> you don't need that blessing. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's funny how your two cards are about basically breaking buildings, like the pictures anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'd like to see a bigger picture of the Ray of Dissolution. It mm-hmm. looks kind of like like the rays of sunlight are maybe dissipating some kind of something up there, but it's hard to see. Yeah. I wonder if this image is good enough to like make it huge. Nope. <laughs> Low resolution. That did not work. <laughs> well, maybe I could find you a copy, figure out who the artist is and yeah, find a copy to look at. Okay. So I did my picks. You did your picks. Yep. So that's magically delicious for this week. Yummy. There aren't any easy answers. Magic isn't good or bad. It's, complicated that's lesson number six you are making these up aren't you in format favorites this week we wanted to start out and talk about wizard's tower of course because lex went to all that trouble of building one um building something that was unique and not just right out of the the box and it actually, I think, really paid off. And I mean, I know you enjoy doing it, but it was a lot of fun to play. Yeah. Um, so should I start off by saying what I what I did or how that I would built be the awesome? Tower? Yeah, how you built it. Okay, so we um, got a Theros fat pack some time ago. So mm-hmm. I, I had the the really nice box that you get with a fat pack to keep cards in. So I had all our Theros cards. Yeah. In that box, minus one of every card that we have that we have in a like a binder. Um, so what I did was I had a few things I wanted to accomplish. One, I wanted to actually have forty percent land 
as mm-hmm. opposed to 42%. I wanted to have an even spread of colors of both mana and spells. Okay. And um, I wanted to have make sure we had enough creatures overall and also enough creatures per color. Okay. And um, and then I was just kind of on a card-by-card basis. I was looking to get rid of any cards that just weren't very good or didn't work right in a wizard's tower. Um, and, and I was looking for cards that worked really cool in a wizard's tower or were just overall good cards. Because my goal with this was kind of like... Um, Sort of what people do with cubes sometimes. Okay. And, and not like the power cubes where we're just making a cube of the most ridiculous cards of magic. But <laughs> but more just like saying, you know, going through the Theros cards, what are the best cards, the most playable cards? And let's make a cube out of those. Um, I didn't include um, our mythic rares that were the only copy of that card we have. There, I okay. didn't include any of the gods. I didn't include any of the god weapons. Um, and I also tried to avoid any other cards where it was like, you get this card, you win the game okay. kind of thing. Was that because you wanted longer games or you were worried about the cards getting beat up? Um, a lo- well, not really longer games. Part of it was to protect the cards, but part of it, like the god weapons, we have quite a few of most of them. Mm-hmm. And I was going to put some of them in, but then when I looked at them, like the Whip of Erebos, it's like, I, I didn't like that basically if someone gets this one card out of these 200 and some cards, they have this huge advantage Right. that's really hard for everybody else to deal with because they're indestructible. I mean, you have to uh. exile that artifact. That's really the only way to get rid of it. Okay. Um, so, be, because just the way Wizard's Tower works, I mean... One person could get that in their opening hand and just happen to have the mana and everything to get it out and be able to use it. And everybody else is still waiting to summon their first creature. Um. So for Wizard's Tower, I I personally think it's better to have more of an even power level among your cards and try not to have any terrible cards and try not to have any uber powerful cards and just try to make all your cards really solid. Mm Mm-hmm. So so this is this is what we came up with. So the tower is 225 cards total. Of those 90 are land, mm-hmm. um which is exactly 40%. Okay. And the so there's 18 land of each color minusing any special lands. I think there were a few dual lands that I put in there that I had. Sweet. Um so, you know, I took those out and then evened out the rest of the land. Okay. Um, There were 10 of the cards that were either artifacts or multicolor cards. And then there were 25 spells for each color. Okay. And just our creature break breakdown. uh, We have 15 white creatures, 16 blue creatures, 12 black creatures, 15 red creatures and 19 green creatures. Wow. Now, obviously those numbers aren't all the same, but I feel like in our particular tower that each of the colors are fairly well balanced in power. Mm -hmm. Um, For instance, blue has the lowest number of creatures at 12, but blue has a lot of really cool spells. 
right like bounce spells and and things like that that the other colors don't have um you know red and white both have relatively low creature numbers at 15 but they you know white's got a lot of combat tricks and heroic activators and red's got you know burn spells and and things like that so i think you know looking at just the creatures it looks a little unbalanced like black only has 12 um but then black has a lot of cool spells and like getting things out of your graveyard and stuff like that so um so yeah that's that was the makeup of our tower um one thing that i did and i tend to do this with all my decks but i think it's really important with something like this because again we had 225 cards is i quote unquote stack the deck first Mm -hmm. so um you know usually what i do with like just a normal 60 card deck is i take all the land in one hand all the you know, spells in another hand. Yeah. Then I, I like say it's a two color deck. I alternate the land. So like say it's a red blue deck. It's, you know, Island, Island mountain, Island mountain, Island mountain, Island mountain. Okay. And then I also alternate the colors of the spells and then I just mix them in. Um, so that the lands are evenly distributed through the deck. Okay. And then I start shuffling. Oh, so like spell, spell, land, spell, spell, land. Yeah, it usually, it seems to work out like it's like land, spell, spell, land, spell, land, spell, spell, land, spell, land, spell, spell, land, spell, land. Yeah. Ah, okay. (laughs) So I did the kind of same thing with our tower, especially because it's really hard to shuffle this many cards. Mm -hmm. Um, So what I did was was first I took all the lands and I, I sorted them by color. So it, you know, it was like white, blue, um black red green white okay. blue black red green through all the lands and i did the same thing with the spells and then i mixed them in together oh, and okay. then started shuffling just just okay. so that to try to avoid mana clumps and then you know start your randomization from everything being nice and spread out instead of having like if clumps. you buy a deck like all the lands together you know yeah and it takes a lot of shuffling before you're like getting draws with either all land or no land um yeah no your technique seems to work yeah but honestly i i would like to and need to learn more about shuffling i've been actually meaning to do some research onto it into it to find out like the best ways to shuffle to truly randomize cards Mm -hmm. the most effective efficient ways so maybe sometime we'll do a podcast on it once we've figured it out that'd be fun yeah and i'd like to get faster at it too (laughs) yeah and just more um graceful or (laughs) right (laughs) actually look like i know how to shuffle (laughs) so and and i just want to be clear that that once i've done this then i shuffle like mad shuffle 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 you know so it's not cheating no no if i did this and then like cut the deck and started playing that that would (laughs) be be different (laughs) um so yeah, so I stacked the deck and then I shuffled and shuffled and shuffled and shuffled and shuffled. Um, and yeah, and then we played with it and we've played with it a few times mm-hmm. and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, a lot a of fun. I, I think I think Theros is great for Wizard's Tower. It feels like it. Oh yeah, but I, I haven't, well, we played the uh, tw- 2014 Wizard's Tower. Yeah, right, and but That's Theros. the only other one, yeah. Right, I've done. Right, Wizards Tower. So, but I I think there's a few things about Theros that make it really great for Wizards Tower, um, and they all kind of 
have the same end result, which is a lot of the cards in Theros have basically two different mana costs. So mm-hmm. you, a given card, you can either cast it for like three mana or four mana, or you can cast it for five mana or six mana because you have your bestow cards. So those you can just summon the creature for less or you can bestow it for more. Um, You have your monstrous cards. So those you summon for one price and then you make them monstrous for a higher price. And uh, I feel like I'm missing one. Me too, um, but I can't, I can't think of it either. But anyway, the, the, the point is, is it's nice in, in a wizard's tower. Huh? Heroic? No. Okay. It, it's nice <laughs> in a wizard's tower because a lot of the cards in your hand, you have a couple, at least a couple different options of how to play that card. Um, I, I guess I was also thinking of, of the bestow mechanic because you can either, that card is, can either be a creature or it can be an enchantment depending oh, okay. how you use it or it could end up being both you know first it's an enchantment and then it becomes a creature yeah um and and it's it's nice because i, I think with wizard's tower anything that gives you some kind of flexibility is going to be good and going to help smooth out that randomness between games that we talked about mm-hmm. so and and uh yeah, it was a lot of fun yeah as a timmy i loved how you had every each land art represented in the wizard's tower and like you actually really took some care looking at each card so it was great and then by the end of the first game that we played i ended up with 22 land and you had 20 land i just was baffled by how much land we had and how long the game went yeah yeah it was it was a lot of fun and um I, I can get a little uh, anal retentive with things, and, and magic is great for that because, <laughs> um, yeah, like my Theros card, like my other magic cards aren't really sorted, but my Theros cards are. And so, first of all, we have our binder mm-hmm. that has one of every Theros card that we have in it. And those are, if you look at the book that comes with the fat pack, the cards are in the exact same order as the illustrations in that book right down to the basic lands. Like I even have the basic lands in there, like all the different (laughs) arts of the basic lands in order. Mm -hmm. And then I have this fat pat back box with all the extras of the Theros cards. And all those are sorted by color and then alphabetized. Oh wow. And the lands are sorted by art Mm -hmm. and in the order that they're in the book. (laughs) So yeah, That's when great. I was making the the Theros Tower or the Theros Wizards Tower, yeah, I I divvied up all the land arts so there's the same number of each of the different arts for awesome. the different lands and <laughs> Yeah, I'm that's how Timmy I am. I actually look at the land art. Yeah. <laughs> and and I want to have as many different land arts as I can in my deck or or I will pick Oh, I don't like this art on this land, so I'm not going to use those islands. I don't like those. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Doesn't help me win, unfortunately, but <laughs> makes the game more interesting though. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Totally. <laughs> and then oh, in that first game we played, I was amazed how some of the cards acted differently. Like some cards, for instance, the Curse of the Swine felt like a game changing card in that in that instance. Because of, you know, of course, when you drew it timing wise, but also the fact that you were able to create, like I had so many creatures out and you were able to turn them all into pigs. It just completely changed the whole game. 
That was awesome. So, <laughs> so Curse of the Swine is an enchantment. Isn't it? No, it must be a sorcery. Yeah, I think it's sorcery. It's a blue sorcery. It's a rare. And basically, you pay, I'm guessing it's two blue mana and an X colorless mana. And X mm-hmm. is the number of creatures that you turn into two, two pig or boar token creatures. Exactly. And so Nikki, I mean, this was pretty late in the game. We both had like shit tons of mana. And Nikki, her board, I don't know, she must have had like six or eight very powerful creatures. Not yeah. one of them was 2-2 two, two or smaller. I mean, very yeah. powerful creatures with special abilities and lifelink <laughs> oh, yeah. and flying and all this crazy I crap. I felt pretty good at this point. <laughs> and I played this card and I had enough mana that I was able to turn every single one of her creatures <laughs> into a 2-2 pig. Yeah. And, of course, they don't have flying. They don't have anything special. No. <laughs> and then I think I had a lot of flyers and stuff, and I just kind of flew over them and killed a bunch of them. <laughs> and um, it was quite a few turns after that before I won the game, but I think that that was the play that, that yeah. won me the game. That was awesome. <laughs> It was so sad. It was almost depressing. The only thing that took away from that moment just a little bit was that we didn't have enough boar tokens. Yes. We had to use some other tokens. I I really wanted to see all those pigs and clothes looking at me, but (laughs) you can't have everything all the time. Yeah, you need extra tokens for Wizard's Tower. That's what I've discovered. I think you just need extra tokens. All the time. Yeah, Yeah, you'll you'll never have enough tokens. And then they'd constantly change them. Right. That's the issue. You know. Every new set has new tokens, probably. So you're never going to have all of them that you need unless unless you're just playing the current set. Maybe. Maybe then. Maybe. Like, we've got shit tons of harpies now. Right. <laughs> I think that's the only thing, though. Soldiers. We got quite a bit of uh, white soldiers. Oh, do we? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um, should we talk about some of these cards that are... Yeah, important that mm-hmm. we found. Um, so these are all Theros cards. We've been playing with our Theros uh, Wizards Tower. And do, do you have any of these or do I have them all? You have them. Okay. Okay. Hopefully you don't get s- sick of the sound of my voice. Nikki, you'll have to jump in and I will say things. <laughs> um, okay. So first of all, here are some cards that are cooler and or more powerful in Wizard's Tower than maybe in whatever format you normally play. Yeah. So the first one I found was March of the Returned. This is a black sorcery that returns up to two target creature cards from your graveyard to your hand. And this is cooler, I think, in Wizard's Tower because it's a community graveyard. So normally you can use this card to get two of your creatures that died earlier in the game back into your hand. But in Wizard's Tower, you can also use this creature to get any other creature, or I mean use a spell to get any other creature that one of the other players has lost in the game into your hand. So this is a way to to maybe get some really awesome creatures, especially late in the game, because you get to pick two of them. Yeah. So you, you could get like the guy on your left's best creature that he lost and the chick on your right's best creature that she lost, and now you got both of them. Yeah. So, yeah, that card's really cool in Wizard's Tower, I think. For sure. We have some of those in ours. Yay! Um, next, we've got Nemesis of Mortals. 
I love this card. Oh this God. is one of my favorite green cards. <laughs> this is a green creature snake. Um, it's a 5-5 five, five creature for two green and four colorless mana. However, it costs one colorless mana less to cast for each creature card in your graveyard. So again, community graveyard. So there's going to be a lot of times you're going to be casting this guy for two mana. Yeah. Two green mana for yep. a 5-5 five, five creature. And then... He has monstrosity five, and it costs two green mana and seven colorless to monsterfy him. However, again, one less colorless for each creature in your graveyard, which in Wizard's Tower is all the creatures in graveyards. So uh, again, pretty quickly you'll have seven, and and you can bring this guy out for two green mana, five five, monsterfy him to a ten ten for two more green mana. Like, easily oh, in one so turn sweet. for four green mana, you could have a 10-10 creature. Oh, my god! Boom. <laughs> that's awesome. Boom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, let's see. Next, we have Spellheart Chimera. So this is another one that takes advantage of the community graveyard. This is a blue-red creature, a purple creature, um, a creature Chimera. It costs one red, one blue, and one colorless to bring out. It has flying and trample, and it has star power and three toughness. So its power is equal to the number of instant and sorcery cards in your graveyard. Oh. So again, community graveyard, this guy's going to be huge yeah. if it's at all late in the game. Oh I mean, gosh. he's only going to have three toughness, but he's going to have huge power right. and flying and trample. So someone's going to be taking that in the face. Ooh, that could be fun. Yeah. So so that's a cool card I like in Wizard's Tower. Mm-hmm. Next, we have Freak's Mender, which I don't know. I'm starting to think she needs to be like the poster child of uh, this podcast. We've talked about this card quite a few times <laughs> already, know. it seems like. So this is a green-black um, card. Okay. One green, one black, three colorless mana to summon a Gorgon creature. Four, three. And when Freak's Mender enters the battlefield, you may return target creature or enchantment card from your graveyard to your hand. So you have a lot to pick from in this case. Right. Because again, um, just like with March of the Return, you can get one of the other players uh, creature or enchantment card that that they have in the graveyard. Right. Which is pretty cool. Next, we have Griptide. I love this card. Oh this is God. a blue instant. Costs one blue, three colorless to put a target creature on top of its owner's library. Oh. Now, normally, <laughs> in, in like a normal game of magic that's not Wizard's Tower, this is basically... Um, Kind of well, it's a bounce basically, right? Um, and it's kind of a tempo play because a you're taking a creature out of play, hopefully one that's been monstrified or had some auras put on it or bestowed or its heroics been activated and it's gotten mm -hmm. counter something like that, so that they lose all of that. Um, and normally, you know, you're putting it on top of their library, which is kind of removing their next draw step because they're going to get a card they already had. Right. Um, but in Wizard's Tower, 
when you put this on top of the library, the next person is going to draw it, not the person right. who originally owned it. Yeah. So it's really, as far as that one player is concerned, it's a removal spell because you're removing that creature from the game and they don't get it back. The next person, the next person gets it back. Mm -hmm. So it's, I mean, it's something to think about because you're basically taking this card away, this this card you're targeting, you're taking that creature away from one player and giving it to the next player. So it could potentially be a political card if you're playing four people. Yeah, but, well, I mean, you just want to think, do you want this next person to have, have this it. card? Is okay. it going to be a problem for you? Be a great one to play on the person right before you in the turn order, and then you get the card if it's oh, a good card. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, yeah, I... Um, I, I think you could say this is a little more powerful, just hands down in Wizard's Tower, but it's definitely cooler, I think, because um, one thing that's nice about cards like this is that you can use it to do different things. Yeah. Um, in, this, in Wizard's Tower, you have a few more options of things that you can do with it than you normally do because you can pass that creature onto another player. You can pass that creature onto yourself. Um, you can give a little card disadvantage to the person who owned that creature originally. Mm -hmm. And you also now, whoever draws next, you know what they're drawing. So it, it gives you a little bit of knowledge into that player, at least what they have access to. Mm -hmm. So I really like that. Very different in Wizard's Tower. And I found one more card that doesn't work too well in Wizard's Tower. Okay. And this is the Underworld Cerberus. And he is a black-red creature. You should like him, Nikki. Yeah. He's a mythic cool. rare. Mm -hmm. um, we have this guy, don't we? I'm pretty yes. sure we have him. Yeah, we do. And he's 6-6. Six, six. Yeah, he's uh, one red, one black, three colorless. And he is a hound creature. Let me see. i got to move him so I can read this. Um, he cannot be blocked except by three or more creatures. Cards in graveyards can't be the targets of spells or abilities. Um, so this is different in Wizard's Tower because this is affecting everyone. Well, mm -hmm. I guess it's always affecting everyone, isn't it? Sounds like it. Yeah, because it's cards in graveyards. So all graveyards. Yeah. Okay, so never mind. So that basically works the same. Um, so here's the part where it has an effect um, when Underworld Cerberus dies, exile it, and each player returns all creature cards from his or her graveyard to his or her hand. Oh, my gosh. That would be nuts in Wizard's Tower. <laughs> yeah. Now, it's not impossible. No. Th this card is not unplayable. You could do it. But basically, like, imagine playing this, like, really late in the game, which, I mean, five mana. Right. It's going to be pretty late in the game. Um, everybody has to figure out and remember like all the creatures who belong to who mm -hmm. and um yeah a it's just a headache b could easily have some arguments if maybe some people don't completely remember right or don't remember correctly whose creatures were whose right um and definitely is going to slow down your gameplay to a crawl while you resolve this card mm -hmm. um so yeah i don't personally think it's worth the headache no i agree yeah take it out yeah so yeah um wizard's tower nikki um any 
any other uh, thoughts? Um, well, the one thing that Star? I noticed was that Scry works a lot differently. And we may oh, have yes. mentioned this last week, but particularly when we were playing, I ran into um, an ability to Scry 2. And that acted very differently because I knew what you were going to get and then what I right. would get on the next turn. So taking those two cards and figuring out what to do with them b- took me a little more brain power than it usually would have because I had to say, okay, well, which one do I want him to get on the next turn? Do I want right. him to get either of these? Right. So that was a little different. Yeah, it, it is. It's a, a game changer with mm-hmm. Scry because normally yeah. when you cast Scry, you're deciding however many cards it is, you're deciding which of these cards do I want to draw right. next or soon and which ones do I want to put on the bottom of my library because I don't want them or I don't want them anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Where in Wizard's Tower, instead, you're saying, which of these cards do I not want the next opponent to have access to or is right. this card okay for them to have access to? Yeah. And yeah, and like you said, if you're scrying multiple cards you're even having an impact on perhaps even all of your other opponents, depending right, on yeah. how high the scry is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that is really interesting. It, it makes scry um, seem more like an offensive kind yeah, of strategy totally. than, mm-hmm. than it normally is. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I noticed that too and, and I forgot to mention it. Yeah, it's just, it's it's different. It feels like it could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing, depending. Yeah, totally. Anything else? No, that was it. I think you covered a lot of it. So you said in the last episode that you thought Wizard's Tower was one of your favorite, if not your favorite format. Um, mm-hmm. Still your favorite format? or what Well, do you think? the one thing that i would say a wizard i mean the wizard tower we did most recently with this theros constructed was the most fun i've had playing wizard's tower okay it was really long though i think it was like two hours maybe two and a half hours long it took a while to do one game and sometimes maybe because i love red i like you you know making an aggro deck and burning through people and burning through stuff yeah and so this last week, I felt like I probably had the most fun playing that those uh, dual decks. Okay. I think that was kind of a blast. But um, but yeah, I mean, overall, Wizard's Tower is still a lot of fun. And if you haven't tried it yet, I highly recommend it. A wizard is never late, Frodo Baggins. Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. Well, Nikki, we have made it to the end of the second episode. Um, Why don't you tell our listeners how they can keep up with us and participate in the podcast? I'd love to. You can check out our website for the RSS feed, show notes, and helpful links, starwalkerstudios.com slash planeswalkersofnix. Please email us any comments, questions, or any requests for topics you'd like us to cover at LexStarWalker at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter for updates and find out when we're recording next at Nikki Starwalker. And I am at Lex Starwalker. And also, please help support the podcast and keep us ad-free. You can click on one of our Amazon images on our site and go do your normal Amazon shopping. Won't cost you any more, but we'll 
help to uh, pay the bills here at Star Walker Studios. And also, I wanted to let everybody know we are on iTunes now. You can find us on iTunes. Uh, just search for Planeswalkers of Nyx. And if you would be so kind as to leave us a review on iTunes, it will help uh, new listeners find the show, um, mm-hmm. increase our visibility on the iStore, and we really appreciate it. And anyone who does leave us a five-star review, we will personally thank you on the podcast. Yeah, I welcome that, and I thank you in advance. <laughs> but thank you for listening to Planeswalkers of Nyx. I'm Nikki Starwalker. And I'm Lex Starwalker. And whether you're walking on Nyx or some other plane, may your magic always be colorful. This has been a Starwalker Studios production, your source for quality science fiction and fantasy podcasts. This episode's music provided by Stanko, Cloudwalker, Ish, Renfield, and Transboy. Please see the show notes for more details at starwalkerstudios.com. I'm awesome!